veteran is someone who at one point in their life wrote a blank check made payable to the United States of America for an amount up to and including their life. Welcome to Common Valor, real stories from those who served in America's military, brought to you by Vetflix, a leader in documenting and sharing the veteran experience. Salvatore Scali was born December 13, 1947, and drafted into the United States Army on January 28, 1968, at the height of the Vietnam War. An Italian who grew up in the north end of Boston, Sal waited for a greeting from Uncle Sam, and when it arrived, he accepted his call to serve. On a cold, windy, cloudy winter day, Sal was summoned to the Customs House in Boston for his induction into the Army. get to the custom house and the guy says if anybody has a car or whatever you better call somebody to come and get it because you ain't going home this is upstairs in the custom house so I literally had to call my sister because it was her car I call her up I says this is the keys are here and it's on this floor and that was that and they took us to the uh, South Boston I believe it was South Boston there, the, the army base there they gave us all kinds of shots, physicals, the whole nine yards, and that was that was it. On the bus, off we went. Didn't see it till after AIT, pretty much. I didn't make a decision in the sense of I just went. I I don't know if I'd be called a follower, but I, I was. I went. I knew about the people that have gone, weren't trying to run away, and all this good stuff. I knew about the Canada and all that stuff. It just wasn't, wasn't in me. I don't believe that my parents instilled that in us. I had a 30-day leave before I went over. And I was uh, back into the groove of what was going on, you know, where I grew up and that kind of stuff, with the friendship, uh, drinking a couple of beers, that kind of stuff. It was pretty intense, but I knew as every day went on, that the time was coming for me to depart. When the, when the day finally came, we got on that airplane out of Logan Airport. Now my, my mom was there. We did our goodbyes. And we went on. Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles. Wherever the Oakland Army base, wherever that, that is, that's where we landed. We're taking off towards Vietnam now. We're flying to Hawaii. Honolulu, to be exact. So Honolulu is like, what, five hours, six hours, whatever it was. We're there, they feed us. They didn't even let us off the, off Honolulu. You know, the plane landed, they fed you, they fueled it, and off you went. Then we, from there, we went to Wake Island. Wake Island, a little spot out in the middle of the Pacific, literally. Over there, they did the same thing. Fuel the airplane, then we went to the Clark Air Base, Philippines. We take off from Clark in a matter of hours, whatever it was. Here we are, we land the Benoit Air Base. When they open that door and that, they put that gate up there you know, for the troops to come out, there was a distinct odor. Then they put us into this 
big area with an overhead, and it was like an in-process, in-processing. And they were calling people, so-and-so, you're going here, you're going there. And I just, just waited my turn. When my turn came, they said, you're going to the 11th Dama Calvary down in Analog. So I got the, got the Analog. They gave us a little bit of indoctrination, uh, booby traps, uh, landmines, that kind of stuff. After that, we went on an ambush patrol. This is me now. This is out of base camp. They give me the, the M60. Now I'm the young guy, the new guy. You would think you would want to give the M60 to somebody that's more in tune. They would know how to handle the weapon. Not that I didn't know, I'm the rookie. And that night of that ambush, I never slept one wink. Never. The bugs, the DDT, whatever the heck we were using to keep, to keep the stuff up, it didn't work. <laughs> Not when you get inundated like that. So when we get back to base camp that the following morning, a couple of days later, we packed up and I never saw base camp again. Never. This is straight out truth. We were gone in the, I, lived, I literally lived in the boondocks, literally, out of that armored personnel carrier, literally. Because we were mechanized infantry. We had wheels, tracks, you know, that kind of stuff. We had 260s. M60s left and right and a 50 caliber to the front. So we had a little bit of firepower along with our own personal weapons and what happened. That was it. We went all over Vietnam. When we made contact with the enemy, somebody was here, the lieutenant was on the, uh, on the phone asking the command, you know, we're receiving fire, permission to open fire, but that was going on. We were already returning the fire. I mean, you know, we're not gonna just, just lay there and get shot at. And the adrenaline kicks in. All that training about that M60 that I that I thought I didn't know. It was like second nature. Changing out a barrel when it's dead hot, making sure you got that glove. Because if you grab that barrel with a bare hand, you ain't putting another barrel in there because it'll probably be right down to your bone. And those 60s, they were hot. You had to do a quick, you know, quick change up. I did it on the fire. The shield in front of this APC was the shield with a with a the M60 shot through. And it, if it wasn't for that shield, I saw that one bullet would have hit me probably right around my heart. I, I remember distinctly. So then I started getting a little bit lower. I saw the enemy running in the in this in this one operation said, well, this guy's trying to kill me. And I just returned fire. And I just did what I had to do to survive. With all the training that I received, I put it to the best of my ability. And, then, and again, I'll say it again, it worked out. I became what I had to be in order to survive. With the people that I served with in the track, who were eight armor personnel carrier, you had one, two, three, four, four made a platoon. You had like four, five, five guys, track commander, driver, two gunners, and somebody to grab ammo. So that was, you were tight, right there. You literally lived next to one another. You slept on the side of the bed or whatever the case was. So you become, the bond becomes really tight. He, he tripped a claymore. 
And that was, I saw that medic from New York. It was a black man. He, he jumped in it like that to try and help the guy. Poor guy didn't make it. But regardless, that incident and other incidents, I've saw that more than once and a couple of times. It, it, it hurts, you know, it hurts you at that moment, but you gotta, you gotta move on because you can't take it with you, especially out in the boondocks. You, you, you can get a sniper shot or you don't even know where the heck it's coming from. And those things do happen. But that feeling, got that bond, now they're gone, you're saddened, but you become hard too. Because you have to in order to take the next breath, to fight the next battle, to get you where? To the world, which is the world? The world that you live in, in the United States, whatever you know it as, your world, your comfort zone, your, the people you know. That's where you wanna go. You have to do that, otherwise you come back literally as a vegetable. You have to learn how to take the next step. Otherwise you'll never move. But here we are, combat vets. 50 years ago, we should be able to hopefully move on and, and live a good life. We're not ever gonna forget that. It's instilled in our, it, it, what's the word? In our DNA. I get home, you know, all the nice welcome and all that from my own family and my cousins and stuff like that. But when I started to go outside to get reacquainted with the people that I grew up with, I, I shielded myself from not telling people that I was in Vietnam. I was very edgy, you know, I'm, I'm, this, this, this is true. Like a loud, loud noise. I was, it, I was tuned into that kind of stuff. I would react for, for defense. Where do, where do I need to go? But I kept it hidden to other people. As a matter of fact, the first thank you that I ever had, working for the United States Postal Service, Nashua, New Hampshire, as a window clerk, selling re, you know, the retail side, was a Vietnamese person. This is the God's truth. This is the God's truth. I look at the, I'm looking at the package, oh, I said, oh, Vietnam, huh? She says, yeah. I says, I was in Vietnam. She's turned around and said, thank you. But she said, thank you to me. So she must have appreciated what America did in defense for their, for them. I, and it made me feel a little more welcome at that time. It made me feel good. It actually made me feel good. Sal served in Vietnam during the Tet Offensive of 1968 and earned a Purple Heart for his injuries. His time in Vietnam shaped him and changed the course of his life. His sacrifice, as with many veterans, continues to this day. For more veteran stories, visit vetflix.org. Subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes. And thanks.